Welcome to Pediatrics Now, cases, updates, and discussions for the busy practitioner. I'm your host, Holly Waymont. I work for UT Health San Antonio's Department of Pediatrics. In this podcast, we explore how we can provide the best, most cutting-edge, compassionate care for children. We hope to give you a unique and behind-the-scenes edge from our expert guests. After listening, click on the link on this podcast for free credit that may include CME, MOC, or ethics credit, depending on the topic or podcast. Joining me here in the podcast studio is baby doctor Michael Odom. Dr. Odom earned his medical degree from UT Southwestern in Dallas. He did his residency at Vanderbilt in Nashville, neonatal perinatal fellowship at UCSF Affiliate Hospital. He's practiced neonatology since 1989. He's a neonatologist here at UT Health San Antonio and University Hospital. Dr. Odom, thanks for being here today on Pediatrics Now. So you're joining us here after 10 days of service. How's it going? Or actually, two weeks of service. How's it going, and what's the situation in the hospital? Uh, I'm doing well. The hospital's busy. We have a lot of uh, babies who are hospitalized with RSV. Uh, so we have had um, quite a season this year, uh, a lot of, lot of RSV infections. And before we get more into that, um, tell us about yourself, a line or two, something about you outside of medicine. Uh, well, I enjoy classical music. Uh, Mozart's my favorite composer. Um, I enjoy uh, enjoy dining um, and and sports. What's your absolute favorite sport? Uh, I would probably say college football. And who's your favorite team? Uh, Texas Longhorns. Uh, nice. <laughs> Tell us about, do you have a favorite quote, maybe one that per- pertains to today's topic? Yeah, I think one that's uh, apropos is one by Louis Pasteur. He's um, the father of modern um, vaccine uh, therapy, and he uh, uh, commented that when he meditates over a disease, he never thinks of finding a remedy for it, rather a means of preventing it. Uh, and I think that's very appropriate for our topic today. And that's what you're doing in your research, basically. Yes, uh, we've had a long history. We know that um, RSV is uh, an infection that causes severe disease in high-risk um, babies. Uh, it, it affects particularly uh, the youngest individuals and then individuals who are older as well, uh, over 60, 65 years. Um, in, in babies, particularly premature babies, uh, babies with chronic lung disease or bronchopulmonary dysplasia, and then babies with congenital heart disease are at high risk for severe uh, RSV infections. Um, And there's been a long history of uh, strategies for prevention of severe RSV disease. Um, One of the first approaches was uh, harvesting RSV immune globulin uh, from human sera, and um, that was used as a way to prevent severe disease in these high-risk patients uh, in the uh, late 1980s, early 1990s. And then subsequently, a company named Metamune uh, developed a, um, a humanized uh, monoclonal antibody against the uh, F protein of the RSV virus. Um, and, and that product uh, is currently the standard of care for prevention of RSV. Uh, and it, it's called Synergis um, or Palavizumab. Palavizumab is the, the, the generic name. Uh, the trade name is uh, Synergis. And currently, we use that for prevention of severe RSV disease in babies that are born at less than 29 weeks gestation or babies who have uh, bronchopulmonary dysplasia. Um, and then the, the, the newer approaches for prevention of RSV um, 
kind of uh, um, work off of that strategy for a humanized monoclonal antibody, but they are extended half-life um, antibodies. And so they're designed so that a single injection will provide protection throughout the entire RSV season. Uh, typically, Synergis requires five doses throughout the, for pr- protection throughout the entire RSV uh, season. And these newer antibodies, um, one that has been studied extensively is called Nircivimab. Uh, that's a, uh, an antibody, uh, again, developed by the company that developed Synergis. Uh, it's currently um, under production by AstraZeneca, one of a you know, big pharmaceutical company. Um, um, and um, so th- that's been studied. There are a couple of publications that have come out in the New England Journal of Medicine um, showing efficacy for, for nirsivimab um, in, in various populations. So, and back to Synergis, that can be expensive, I hear? Yes, uh, because it has to be dosed every 28 days, um, and typically, you know, the RSV season typically lasts from October through April, uh, so typically there's five doses, um, and it, the, the cost can range from uh, $3,000 upwards of uh, like $15,000. So it's, it is a very um, expensive product. Most of the insurance companies, though, will provide funding for, for high-risk babies. Um, the AAP, you know, currently recommends that babies that are born less than 29 weeks receive prophylaxis with Synergis uh, for protection throughout the RSV season. And then additionally, babies with um, bronchopulmonary dysplasia, um, even if they're born at 29 weeks or more, they still qualify for Synergis uh, treatment throughout the RSV season. So we're, we're talking today about groundbreaking research being done right here at UT Health San Antonio and University Hospital. It's research that could help protect your patients from RSV right now as parents and caregivers are desperate trying to find ways to prevent RSV in their children and babies. So RSV or respiratory syncytial virus is sickening babies and kids under two and even some older children and hospitals are pretty maxed out is the situation dire, Dr. Odom? Well, we have had a very severe uh, season this year, and, and it is interesting. Um, uh, really, just about all of our pediatric beds uh, throughout, the, throughout the city are um, being taken by uh, children with severe RSV disease or uh, flu or COVID. Uh, so it is a, uh, a big problem this year. Uh, you know, last year uh, with COVID, we were all wearing masks, and that limited um, a lot of these respiratory viruses. Last year, the RSV season, which RSV is typically a, a virus that occurs during the fall and winter, uh, last year we saw it in June or July uh, for a relatively short period of time. Uh, this year, we're back to more of the typical seasonal pattern, uh, fall and winter, and um, um, so the you know we, we've seen a lot of infections this year. And if a, a baby, if a child with severe RSV can get to the hospital, get oxygen, the baby can survive. If, if not, the baby could die. It's as, as pediatric uh, providers, practitioners, do, is your advice to be educating parents and caregivers with each time they see them, what to look for, what could be really the danger signs? Yes. Um, you know, the treatment for RSV is basically supportive. We don't really have any great treatments for it. So we, we um, just want to hi- provide uh, hydration for the baby if the baby's not able to take uh, fluids um, orally, uh, provide oxygen if the baby needs additional respiratory support, um, and then 
and then, you know, watch the baby closely and, and do our best to help the baby. So, you know, as Louis Pasteur said, our best option is to provide, to find a way to prevent these diseases. Um, and, you know, for prevention, we tell, we tell families um, if a family member is sick, they should um, try to stay away from the baby uh, as much as possible. And uh, good hand washing is always important because most of these infections are not transmitted so much by um, direct respiratory transmission from breathing from an indiv- individual who's infected to the, um, to the, to the high-risk patient, but more it's, it's contact. So it's, um, we put our hands on our, on our nose and our mouth, and then we, we contact the individual um, with um, infected secretions. So hand-washing is very, very important. Um, so different than COVID in that way, where COVID is more airborne? Yeah, um, that's generally considered to be the means of transmission for RSV. And then, of course, you know, wearing a mask, we've all got, um, we're all conscious about masks these days, uh, probably can be helpful to, to a certain extent in terms of preventing um, the, the release of droplets from an individual who has, who has the infection. And what about when our children, you know, they're better, but they still have some of the lingering symptoms? I know all three of my children have been sick recently. I one sick at home today. And my daughter was saying, you know, but if I wear a mask, then it'll look like I'm sick at school. And <laughs> it's sad to think that there, there may be this st- stigma s- still where kids may be embarrassed to wear a mask and go to school. But is that the advice that we need to be telling them? Um, I'm, I'm not, sh- I'm not sure. You know, I think, um, um, you know, probably stay home if you're, if you're, if you're sick and, um, um, you know, usually the period of transmission is, is um, you know, once, once we're not coughing and sneezing, um, probably, um, probably the, the, the need is not terribly great. But, um, yeah, maybe for a, a few extra days at school could be helpful. So stay home as long as you're having symptoms. Yes. And is the advice also for parents, caregivers with babies six months or younger to for that baby to stay home, not go to daycare, if at all possible? Yeah, I think that makes, that makes sense. Um, you know, we usually just recommend common sense in, in, that, in that regard. Um, A headline in yesterday's Philadelphia Inquirer reads, RSV has parents freaking out. Can you blame them? A New York Times article says scientists are gaining on RSV, a persistent threat to children, vaccines and treatments are and trials, but the virus remains the leading killer of infants worldwide. Yeah, that is amazing. I, I think in the de, in the developing world, um, RSV is a big problem. Even in the United States, it's it's a big it's definitely a big problem. And um, in terms of prevention, you know, we talked about um, the approaches with um, antibodies, and that's um, considered um, passive immunization. Um, there are companies that are looking at active immunization. So active immunization would be a strategy where we actually immunize either the baby or, uh, you know, Pfizer has developed a vaccine and um, recently uh, had a press release on results from their phase three trial looking at immunizing pregnant moms so that they would develop antibody and those antibodies would cross the placenta and provide protection for, uh, for young infants. And, um, that's a, a potentially great strategy for healthy full-term babies, but for the premature population that we take care of, um, most antibody transfer occurs uh, after 30 weeks gestation. So when babies are born prematurely before 30 weeks, or if they're in the NICU for an extended period of time, um, they're not going to be able to receive the antibody transfer from the mom, and then 
uh, over time, what antibody they do receive is broken down and, and goes away. So um, by the time they go home from the nursery, they're still at high risk. Well, you have a long interest in RSV infections and premature babies, and the focus of your activity is clinical research. Can you tell me about these two studies? Yes. Um, you know, we were a part of the original study looking at synergists that showed um, benefit of synergists for premature babies. And then subsequently, um, we've been involved in uh, studies uh, uh, sponsored by um, Regeneron. Uh, they had an antibody that they looked at for prevention of severe disease, again, an extended half-life antibody. And, um, you know, Regeneron is a great company. They're, they're one of the leading biotechnology companies in the country. And, it, and I think we all thought that this antibody was going to be great and was going to work, but it did not show efficacy because uh, of mutations in the uh, type B strain of RSV. There are two main, main strains of RSV, the A strain and the B strain. And during that particular season, there were mutations in the B strain, so the, the, uh, the antibody did not show efficacy. Uh, here most recently, I mentioned nirsevimabs uh, that was developed by AstraZeneca. Uh, there are a couple of publications in the New England Journal um, showing uh, efficacy for nirsevimab, and that, that, that product is working its way through the, the regulatory market. I, I imagine it's going to be approved by the FDA relatively soon. Um, Merck, uh, the company that we're doing uh, studies with, uh, has a, an antibody called uh, clercivimab, um, again, an extended half-life antibody so that um, the patients only require one injection for protection throughout the entire RSV season. Um, and we have two studies that we're involved in. Uh, one is evaluating the antibody in uh, babies who are 29 weeks gestation or older and who would not qualify for synergis. And then secondly, in the group of patients who do qualify for synergis to evaluate this newer antibody, uh, to, and, and see if the safety and tolerability of the antibody is similar uh, to Synergis. So it, patients could be part of this study right now, correct? Yes, yes. We, we've, uh, we've had a couple of patients that have been enrolled in uh, both uh, arms of, of the studies. Um, and, uh, yeah, so we, so we are um, enrolling currently for both, uh, for both protocols. So uh, our listeners can give their patients this number for more information if they're interested in the study. You may want to grab a, a pencil or pen to jot this down. It's 210-567-5225. 210-567-5225 to enroll in the study. And does the baby or child have a two and three chance of getting the antibody? Yes, and the, the, the study that is looking at... Uh, uh, Clostridiumab um, in babies that are 29 weeks and older, uh, the study is designed so that there is a, a it's a two to one randomization scheme, so that you have a two out of three chance of receiving the active um, antibody, and then one out of three wow. chance of receiving placebo. Um, so, and as we know, there unfortunately is vaccine hesitancy out there. Uh, is there one line you would suggest to pediatric? practitioners, providers can say to their patients and during their busy day when they're talking about these studies? Well, I guess if I had to um, pick one line, I'd, I'd again go back to Louis Pasteur. Whenever, whenever I contemplate a disease, I'd always uh, think about a means of preventing it rather than, rather than a remedy for the disease. And we don't really have any remedies for RSV disease. So certainly if we can prevent it, this would be 
um, would be the best approach for sure. And what if a patient says, well, it's my baby. I'm not going to do something experimental on my baby. Yeah, I think in this era of COVID, uh, we, do, we do hear that uh, a fair amount from families. I've had, we've, I've had a number of uh, situations where I've presented the studies to, uh, to moms. The moms are very, very interested. Uh, she discusses it with the father, and then they come back and say, oh, no, I don't want, don't want my, my patient or my baby to be involved in a, um, in a, in a research study. Um, so there is a lot of, um, I think, a lot of concern from families uh, about, about research. But um, if we didn't have research, we wouldn't have advances in, 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 modern, in the modern medicine that we do. And it's safe. The antibody is safe. Yeah, these antibodies have been have been around for a long period of time, and um, as, as I mentioned, uh, one of the a similar antibody, uh, nirsivimab. Uh, we have a couple of publications from the New England Journal of Medicine showing um, that the, that the uh, the antibody is effective, it's safe. Um, the risk of the side effect profile is um, is very very limited, very similar to um, to placebo or to um, the current standard of care synergist. It's right there in the most prestigious medical journal in the world. I mean. Yes, yeah, and I think uh, additionally these antibodies are fully humanized. Uh, you know, when antibodies were first developed, they were developed in mice, and so the the antibody had some uh, some mice some portions of a of a mouse protein. But now um, the antibodies are are fully humanized, so the the, the protein sequence is um, entirely like that that we would produce in our own bodies. So, and I know. During you know the height of COVID, all three of my children were in the Moderna trials, and I saw what my colleagues were doing in the Department of Pediatrics, whatever they could to get their kids in these clinical trials, and it was such a great example, and it ended up being an excellent experience overall. Two out of my three kids got the vaccine early, and it really it was an amazing experience, and I'm so glad that we were able to be a part of that. Yeah, and I, I, I definitely, I think um, we do need to really think about what's the best approach for prevention of RSV because um, I, I just had a conversation a few weeks ago with uh, Dr. Steve Seidner, who's the chairman of our Department of Pediatrics, um, and he was talking with me about how, uh, how much of a burden we, we have with RSV this year that all of our pediatric beds are filled with RSV, and we were talking about, well, should we uh, give synergist to all of our babies in the in the newborn nursery to try and prevent RSV, and it's just we don't really have a good uh, strategy at present that we can apply to uh, a large population of patients. Um, the supply of synergists is limited. Uh, even these newer antibodies, um, we're going to have to ramp up production, um, and then you know maybe some of these vaccines will be helpful as well. Uh, Moderna has got a vaccine. Uh, that they're evaluating in the older, uh, older individuals, um, folks who are 60 years of age or older. Um, so, and that's something to also think about when we're preventing RSV. We may be helping older adults, people older than 65, who could also be at high risk of. Yeah, yeah, you know, it is interesting that RSV affects individuals at both ends of the of the spectrum in terms of in, in terms of life. The, the early, the young, uh, the very young infants, and then. Um, as, as we're all getting older, um, we all are um, concerned about RSV in, uh, in the elderly population. Uh, individuals 60, 65 years of age and older, they still can have uh, severe RSV infections. So um, Moderna in particular is focusing on, on that, that population. Let's take a case. A baby is in the NICU, baby Florence, we'll call her, and her sibling, Jack, 
has RSV, what do you do? Well, we um, tell the families, like, like we said, good hand washing. And if, um, if there's a sibling at home with RSV and we've got, a, say, a premature baby who's going home and is at increased risk for severe disease, uh, we tell the family to, to uh, tell Jack, the, the, the older baby, um, to, to try and uh, limit his contact um, with the sibling, try and stay away as much as possible, and um, maybe wave to the baby um, and, and tell the baby he loves her. Um, but um, don't get too close, and um, always good hand washing. And then the parents, it's especially important because they may have contact with the infected individual, um, so it's important for the parents to wash their hands before they're going to handle the, the baby. Okay, So, and Dr. Odom, I know um, there are resources out there. There's one resource that you mentioned that is great for pediatric providers and practitioners, the Texas Department of Health. Oh, yes. Um, yeah, I think in terms of um, evaluating the burden of RSV disease in the, uh, in the community in Texas, we have a great resource, the Texas Department of Health. Um, they every week publish, uh, publish data on the rate of positivity uh, for RSV testing um, in clinics and in, um, in doctor's offices. Um, so they publish data for positive antigen tests as well as positive PCR tests. Um, and as the rate of positivity, just like COVID, um, goes up, that indicates that there's more and more RSV disease in the community. Is that something to check every couple of days or every week? Or You know, I think a lot of probably most practicing pediatricians have a good sense for how much RSV there is in the community because they're seeing um, um, babies and children that are come into their practice um, and, and ask for evaluation for respiratory uh, diseases and symptoms. Um, so I, I'm not sure that it's necessarily that um, that much of a requirement for a pediatrician in practice. But, you know, for us, when we're thinking about how long do we provide synergists or when should we provide synergists for our, our premature population of babies in the NICU, it's something that we look at. Um, like last year, we started early because the rate of positivity was going up. Um, and this year, we're kind of following along and kind of uh, trying to ter- determine how long to continue to provide uh, synergists for our for our sick babies. Is there any idea, will the season end sooner because it started sooner? Do we just not know? Yeah, I think we don't know. I, I think at this point we're assuming that it's going to be a typical seasonal pattern October through through April. Um, but um, uh, we have seen a little bit of a downtick in the, in the um, rate of positivity, uh, at least in, in our area. Uh, it's still quite high throughout all of Texas. But um, I think we'll all be just kind of keeping, uh, keeping an eye on that. Here on Pediatrics Now, we're including a few anonymous questions from pediatric practitioners and providers. Here's one from a clinician. How much does air quality, including outdoor air or indoor smoking, affect RSV severity? Yeah, I'm not sure that air quality is so much of an issue, but definitely smoking is a risk factor for um, respiratory infections and for RSV disease. So, um, you know, we, we know that uh, babies who are in a household with an individual who smokes, uh, the baby is at increased risk for RSV infection and for um, more severe disease. So we definitely uh, tell, uh, tell parents that they should stop smoking, you know, for their own health and for the health of their children. Um, and then if they, if they must smoke, we encourage them to go outside uh, so that the baby does have clean air to breathe. Okay, here's another question. This one is from a pediatric nurse practitioner. 
Are there any changes to clinical practice guidelines for RSV? I'm wondering if it's really necessary to test patients who are stable and not immune compromised. And he says, especially because we use rapid tests that are maybe low in sensitivity. Um, yeah, I do think that particularly the PCR tests are thought to be very good tests and very sensitive. You know, generally when you're doing a PCR test, you're, um, the sensitivity of those tests are very good because they can um, identify uh, even very small portions of uh, nucleic acid and amplify that. Um, That's good to know. Um, but I think when practitioners uh, see a, a, a young child uh, in their practice who has clinical signs and symptoms that are very typical of um, RSV, say, you know, the classical clinical picture that I remember from my residency is a, an infant who comes in with bronchiolitis, um, who's pink and wheezing and a little bit tachypneic, um, then that, that's just a classical picture for RSV. And so as long as the baby's, um, you know, healthy and doing okay, I don't think we necessarily need to test all those patients just to know for sure that they have an RSV infection. Um, I think if the baby's being considered for admission to the hospital, then then maybe a, an RSV test could be helpful. And if there's older siblings or older children that come in or a child older than two, do you need to test them for RSV? No, I don't, I don't think so. I, th I think um, um, usually in the older children um, and in healthy adults, RSV infections, the, the individuals had exposure to RSV in the past, and so the RSV infection uh, may look just like a typical cold or upper respiratory tract infection with very limited symptomatology. Um, so testing is not necessary. So how soon can we expect any of these uh, with the, you know the studies you've talked about, this, these prevention measures, when would we be able to roll these out? You know, I think nirsivimab is uh, the farthest along, and I would expect. Uh, I think that that a lot of this data has been presented to the FDA, so I, I would expect uh, approval of that probably within the next uh, um, twelve months uh, would be my guess. Any idea when the Pfizer vaccine could be approved? Pfizer also said in, in their most recent press release that they have submitted uh, data to the FDA, and they said that they hope to have um, uh, they hope to have approval um, by the end of the year. Which um, uh, the, the, their data was only released uh, as a press release uh, this here uh, first of the month, first of November. So um, we haven't seen a published peer review. Um, journal article with um, their results. So, um, and I'm not sure how that's going to be taken by the FDA, but. Um. Well, before we wrap up today's episode, you've worked as a baby doctor for more than 30 years. What advice do you have for pediatricians, pediatric providers overall for RSV and babies? Um, yeah, I'm, uh, I think, um, I think probably just stay tuned, stay up to date with um, with um, with your journal articles, and and keep an eye out for these new, for these new therapies because um, we have a number of different approaches for prevention of RSV that are uh, that are becoming available, and uh, I think one or more are going to be uh, licensed by the FDA and um, um, and move into our armamentarium for uh, for prevention. Um, uh, a couple of these therapies, nirsivimab has been um, approved for, um, you know, a breakthrough product uh, and, and kind of rapid movement through FDA's regulatory process. Uh, similarly, um, our, our Pfizer's Act asked for 
um, breakthrough um, designation for their for their vaccine. Um, and like I said, Moderna's got a got a vaccine that they're evaluating in the elderly population. So it's really exciting to see so many different approaches for prevention and um, and so much uh, so much positive data coming out in the in the literature. There's hope. Yeah, I think definitely so. Is there still a lot of mystery surrounding RSV or any comment? Well, I, I think there are surprises. I think, you know, I mentioned the Regeneron um, uh, monoclonal antibody um, that was evaluated, and I think everyone thought Regeneron, I mean, they're, they're like the, one of the leading biotechnology companies in the world, uh, and they're, you know, they have a long history of producing antibodies, and we thought they had a great antibody um, that was going to be, you know, definitely 100% effective, but um, the virus mutated, and so the, the virus got around the antibody. So the, these, these newer antibodies, uh, nirsivimab and uh, um, the, the Merck product, um, they have tried to identify an epitope in the RSV virus that's highly conserved and, um, and that, that, that we won't have that, that problem on. But still, we need, um, we need to evaluate all these products in um, randomized controlled trials to, to demonstrate efficacy. Dr. Michael Odom, neonatologist at UT Health San Antonio and University Hospital. Thanks for being here on Pediatrics Now. Thank you. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of Pediatrics Now. Click on the link for free credit. Let's end with a quote by Nelson Mandela. History will judge us by the difference we make in the everyday lives of children. Thank you for making a difference and for listening to Pediatrics Now. Stay tuned for our next episode coming next week.